This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. I'm John Trout. It's Monday, February 12th, 2024. Here's what's coming up on America in the Morning. America's foreign allies are watching the presidential race. No, I would not protect you. I'm Jackie Quinn. Surrogates of President Biden out in force on the Sunday shows defending his fitness for the job. I'm John Stolness in Washington. Reaction to former President Donald Trump's comments about Nikki Haley's husband. I'm Clayton Neville. Shooting at Joel Olstein's Lakewood Church. We'll have an update. On Wall Street, history is made this morning with the S&P 500 index opening above 5,000 for the very first time. I'm Jessica Edinger. $95 billion for foreign aid. U.S. Senators say okay. Secretary of Defense Austin back in the hospital. A new poll says Americans believe air travel is relatively safe in the U.S. I'm Donna Water. All ahead on America in the Morning. Our nation's foreign allies are watching the presidential race and wondering if there's a bumpy ride ahead for international relations. As correspondent Jackie Quinn reports comments made by former President Trump over the weekend regarding NATO and how he'd handle Russian aggression drew a sharp rebuke from the White House. While some world leaders and a current candidate running for president have issues with a possible second term for either Donald Trump or President Biden. These are people making decisions on our national security. These are people making decisions on the future of our economy. We need to know they're at the top of their game. This is not something to play with. You've got Russia, China, and Iran all targeting us right now. And we're going to put two 80-year-olds up as president? We can do better. World leaders are already weighing in. Russia's foreign minister says it really makes no difference if President Biden or former President Trump is reelected. And a Chinese professor of international relations says the two presidential candidates are, quote, like two bowls of poison. The presidents of a big country stood up, said, well, sir, uh, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia, will you protect us? I said, you didn't pay. You're delinquent. He said, yes, let's say that happened. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay. You got to pay your bills. Trump this weekend on China says he'll be tough again. We didn't play games and we took out billions, hundreds of billions of dollars out of China. While President Biden in November met with Xi Jinping in San Francisco. Stable relationship between the world's two largest economies. It's not merely good for the two economies, but for the world. A stable relationship. It's good for everyone. French President Emmanuel Macron says whoever wins, America's first priority will be itself. I'm Jackie Quinn. In the wake of last week's politically damaging DOJ legal ruling that questioned President Joe Biden's memory, surrogates and at least one world leader defended the president's mental acuity on the Sunday shows. John Stolnes has a recap from Washington. The Biden campaign and the White House were on damage control after special counsel Robert Hur's report on Biden's handling of classified documents. Democratic Senator Chris Coons, who also serves as a co-chair of the president's re-election campaign, ripped the council's report on ABC's This Week. We are in a fight for the soul of our nation, and the idea that somehow 
Joe Biden forgot the date of his son's death is offensive and appalling. Biden's personal lawyer, Bob Bauer, made a rare public appearance, speaking on CBS's Face the Nation, criticizing the report for its comments on the president's memory. This flood of characterizations, factual misstatements, pejorative comments about the president that are inconsistent with DOJ policy and norms. This is not what prosecutors do. It is shoddy work product. An ABC News Ipsos poll out over the weekend finds 86% of Americans think the 81-year-old Biden is too old to serve another term. Biden campaign co-chair Mitch Landrieu on NBC's Meet the Press. He's smart. He's on his game. When you go on to brief the president, you gotta, you better have your big boy <laughs> pants on. And, and this kind of sense that he's not ready for this job is just a bucket of BS that's so I'm deep, your boots will get stuck in. And that assertion was backed up by Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who was asked on ABC's This Week what he has seen from President Biden during their many interactions over the last few months. And I found him very clear uh, and very focused. We uh, uh, managed to agree on the war aims and on many things. Sometimes we had disagreements, but they weren't born of a, a lack of understanding on his part or on my part. But Republican Senator Tom Cotton on Fox News Sunday says her had to include Biden's trouble with his memory as a way of explaining away why the Justice Department didn't pursue criminal charges in the classified documents case. There's no new bombshells about President Biden in this. The American people have seen for years that he is a man with a failing mem memory. John Stolness, Washington. Life not saved at Lakewood Church. That plus Haley rolls up the sleeves when America in the Morning continues after these messages. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Welcome back here with America in the Morning. Lots of rain in store for the South and snow in the forecast. Here's AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson. Well, the winter storm will continue to gather strength today as it tracks across the Southeast and eventually into the Northeast later today and tonight. Meanwhile, rain will be steadier and heavier further south across portions of Tennessee and Kentucky into the Carolinas, which can lead to reduced visibility, pining of water and area roadways, and travel delays. Rain will get as far north as the nation's capital in Baltimore toward this evening. 
Hurricane. Even further south will be the threat for strong, heavy thunderstorms across Alabama, Georgia, and northern Florida. Flooding downpours, damaging winds, and even an isolated tornado cannot be ruled out in these areas, including places like Atlanta, Birmingham, and Jacksonville. On the back side of the storm, there'll be just enough cold air in place for a narrow stripe of snow from eastern Oklahoma into southern parts of Missouri, Illinois, and Indiana, which can accumulate one to three inches with three to six inches possible over south-central Missouri. The storm will spread northward tonight and will bring a plowable snow to interior portions of the northeast tonight into tomorrow, with mostly rain in the I-95 corridor between New York City and Philadelphia, although it will be cold enough toward Boston for mostly a snow event from this storm. Outside of the storm in the east, much of the rest of the nation will have quiet weather today. The northeast will have a lot of clouds, but mostly dry weather today. More in the way of sunshine will be found over the central and southern plains back into the southwest with mostly cloudy skies over the northern plains. Northern parts of Michigan will have a few snow showers. California will continue to have a break from the recent stormy weather. Meanwhile, a few showers will dampen parts of Washington eastward into Montana with snow showers in the higher elevations. And that's the weather across America. In Washington, D.C. today, late day rain, high 50. Meanwhile, in Los Angeles, sunny with a high of 67. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Kai Erickson. Follow us everywhere you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. Current Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley is snapping back at comments made about her husband by former President Donald Trump. Correspondent Clayton Neville reports. The Republican frontrunner for the presidency, Donald Trump, was talking about his opponent, Ambassador Nikki Haley, during a weekend campaign rally. She comes over to see me at Mar-a-Lago, sir, I will never run against you. She brought her husband. Where's her husband? Oh, he's away. He's away. Where, what happened to her husband? What happened to her husband? Where is he? He's gone. He knew. He knew. The Haley's were quick to respond. Nikki Haley on X explained that her husband is currently deployed serving the U.S. military overseas. And Michael Haley himself took to social media to post a meme that read the difference between humans and animals. Animals would never allow the dumbest ones to lead the pack. His wife addressed Trump's comments on CBS's Face the Nation. It's insulting to military members. It's insulting to military families. And the part that bothers me is he continues to do this. This isn't personal about me and Michael. This is about what it says to every member who sacrifices for us. This is about what it says to every military family who sacrifices alongside of them. We can't have someone who sits there and mocks our men and women who are trying to protect America. President Biden took to X, confirming that Major Haley is deployed overseas and accused Trump of believing that American troops are suckers. I'm Clayton Neville. A woman in a trench coat armed with a long rifle and accompanied by a young child entered Pastor Evangelist Joel Olstein's Lakewood Church in Texas yesterday afternoon and opened fire. Two off-duty law enforcement officers, a Houston police officer and an agent with the Texas Alcoholic Beverage Commission ran toward the shooter and opened fire, killing her. The woman was described by police as roughly 30 to 35 years old. She shot a 57-year-old man in the leg, but also hit a 5-year-old child who was taken to a Houston area hospital in critical condition. Texas authorities are expected to release details about the shooter later today. In sports, Kansas City has now won back-to-back -back Super Bowls. A Patrick Mahomes touchdown pass in overtime led the Chiefs to a 25-22 win over the San Francisco 49ers in Super Bowl 58. 
Move over, China, our nation's new import leader. When America in the Morning continues after these messages. This is America in the Morning. There could be a major consolidation in the oil and gas industry as the Wall Street Journal is reporting that rivals Diamondback Energy and Endeavor Energy Resources are finalizing a merger. Diamondback is one of the fastest growing and largest companies involved in fracking in the U.S., while Endeavor is one of the prized businesses in the rapidly consolidating Texas Permian Basin, home to the majority of America's oil production. U.S. markets opened today after some historic trading last week. Here's CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. On Wall Street on Friday. That bell is going to mark the first ever close above 5,000 for the S&P 500. Quite a session, quite a week, quite a market. Quite a market. That's CNBC's Scott Wapner at the close Friday. And Wall Street opens this morning with the S&P at a record high above 5,000 for the first time at 5,026. Investors are talking about buying stocks with indexes at or near all-time highs. You definitely have the pockets of overvaluation, and then you've got the other areas, the you know small caps and some of the value stocks that haven't come back. But I definitely think there are opportunities in the market. You just have to be fairly diversified at this point. DCLA's Surat Sethi on CNBC. Revised inflation data came out Friday, and in December, inflation was even lower than first reported in the updated Consumer Price Index report. Cisco wouldn't comment to CNBC heading into the weekend, but it's reportedly set to cut thousands of jobs and focus only on high-growth areas of the business. Airfares are going down, and that's hitting booking site Expedia. Its shares plunged 18% on Friday. Chiefs and 49ers on the football field aside, it was the Chiefs that dominated in the advertising industry in the last football season. Uh, during this year's NFL season alone, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Andy Reid starred in a combined 33 different TV commercials, which cost nearly $400 million to air. Kelsey, Reid, and uh, Mahomes have been winners in the ad place. CNBC's Tyler Matheson. What's the backstory on why we're getting more goods from Mexico now than China? For the first time in more than 20 years, Mexico has surpassed China as the leading source of goods imported into the U.S. But there's a difference between where something's manufactured and where it's assembled. Once um, Trump put on the tariffs and Biden kept the tariffs, there was a lot of pressure on manufacturers to move their supply chains to avoid those tariffs. And so what you saw was a lot of assembly moving to places like Vietnam and Mexico. We classify those as imports from Vietnam and Mexico. A lot of the parts are made in China. So there's a, you know, a shell game going on here. The Wall Street Journal's Greg Ip on CNBC. On today's watch list, we get earnings from Goodyear, Avis Budget, and Waste Management. JetBlue has a new CEO this morning, Joanna Garrity. The latest on consumer retail spending will be out with the CNBC NRF retail monitor data. The ad industry, of course, celebrating or crying this morning, depending on how well their commercials did with viewers during the Super Bowl last night. Yeah, $7 million per commercial. There's CNBC's Jessica Ettinger with a check of Monday Business. When we return, Flying the Friendly Skies, a new poll on how we feel about air travel. When America in the Morning returns after these messages.
Welcome back. You're with America in the Morning. Senators worked into the evening on Super Bowl Sunday and voted 67 to 27 to advance a $95 billion foreign aid supplemental bill to assist Ukraine, Taiwan, and Israel that does not include any funding for border security, moving it one step closer to passage. The bill moved forward with solid Republican support despite Donald Trump telling GOP senators not to vote in favor without first passing a border security bill. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is back in the hospital, this time for symptoms regarding his bladder. Austin was recently hospitalized at Walter Reed National Military Hospital for two weeks for treatment for prostate cancer. Austin, who caused problems when he did not disclose to either Congress or the White House that he was incapacitated, announced this time that he transferred the functions and duties of his office temporarily while under medical care. A new poll says Americans believe air travel is relatively safe in the U.S., despite that recent Alaska Airlines incident over Oregon. Correspondent Donna Warder reports. About 7 out of 10 U.S. adults who responded to the poll by the Associated Press and the Nork Center for Public Affairs Research say airplanes are a very or somewhat safe method of travel. And about 2 in 10 adults say they have a great deal of confidence that airplanes are being properly maintained and are safe from structural faults. Another half say they have a moderate amount of faith that this is the case. The poll was conducted after the January 5th incident in which a panel blew off an Alaska Airlines Boeing 737 MAX 9 jetliner, 16,000 feet above Oregon, leaving a gaping hole in the side of the plane that led to the grounding of more than 140 planes. I'm Donna Water. America in the Morning for Monday, February 12th, 2024, is produced by Jeff McKay. Senior producer, Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. I'm John Trout. Coming up this half hour. Controversial comments by former President Donald Trump regarding NATO. I'm Clayton Neville. Egypt has threatened to suspend its peace treaty with Israel if Israeli forces enter the town of Rafah. I'm Rika Ann Garcia. Fiery plane crash on a highway in southwest Florida that left at least two people dead. I'm Jackie Quinn. A Kansas City mom facing charges after allegedly placing her baby in an oven. I'm Pamela Furr. The Chiefs beat the Niners in overtime at the Super Bowl. I'm Robert Workman. The 2024 nominees for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are out. I'm Kevin Carr. I'm Archie Zaraleta with an entertainment update. Back after these messages. America in the Morning continues with a check on that weather system in the south today. Rain changing to snow. Here's AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson. Most of the weather-related travel delays will likely be found in portions of the east today as a winter storm gathers strength over the Tennessee Valley. A steady rain will fall over Tennessee and Kentucky into the Carolinas, which can lead to reduced visibility, ponding of water and area roadways, and travel delays. South will be the threat for strong, heavy thunderstorms across Alabama, Georgia, and northern Florida. 
Flooding, downpours, damage and winds, and even an isolated tornado cannot be ruled out in these areas, including places like Atlanta, Birmingham, and Jacksonville. Rain will get as far north as the nation's capital in Baltimore by this evening. On the back side of the storm, there will be just enough cold air in place for a narrow stripe of snow from eastern Oklahoma into southern parts of Missouri, Illinois, and Indiana, which can accumulate one to three inches with three to six inches as possible over south-central Missouri. Much of this accumulation will be on non-paved surfaces. There can be a slippery coating in a few spots, especially on bridges and overpasses. The storm will spread northward tonight and will bring a plowable snow to interior locations of the northeast tonight, with mostly rain in the I-95 corridor between New York City and Philadelphia, although it will be cold enough toward Boston for mostly a snow event from this storm. Outside of the storm in the east, much of the rest of the nation will have quiet weather today. The northeast will have a lot of clouds around, but mostly dry during the daytime hours. More in the way of sunshine will be found over the central and southern plains back into the southwest with mostly cloudy skies over the northern plains. Snow showers will be found over portions of northern Michigan. California will continue to have a break from the recent stormy weather with cloudy skies to the north and more in the way of sunshine to the south. Meanwhile, a few showers will dampen parts of Washington eastward into Montana with snow showers in the higher elevations. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. This is America in the Morning. While some politicians are outraged over recent comments by former President Donald Trump surrounding NATO, correspondent Clayton Neville reports others have no problem with what he said. During a campaign rally Saturday in South Carolina, former president and current Republican frontrunner for the presidency, Donald Trump, told a story about an experience he had with a leader of a NATO country. Presidents of a big country stood up and said, well, sir, uh, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia, will you protect us? I said, you didn't pay? You're delinquent? He said, yes, let's say that happened. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay. The White House was quick to respond to Trump's comments, calling them unhinged. A statement accused the former president of putting Americans in danger with his remarks, which the White House says encouraged the invasion of some of our closest allies. Meanwhile, Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley chiming in on CBS's Face the Nation. Don't take the side of someone who has gone in and invaded a country and half a million people have died or been wounded because of Putin. Don't take the side of someone who continues to lie. I dealt with Russia every day. The last thing we ever want to do is side with Russia. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg said that Trump's comments put American and European soldiers in danger. But Senator Marco Rubio believes Trump Trump's words are being taken out of context. By the way, Donald Trump was president and he didn't pull aside in NATO. You know, in fact, American troops were stationed throughout Europe as they are today. They were then as well. But he's telling a story. And frankly, look, Donald Trump is not a member of the Council of Foreign Relations. He doesn't talk like a traditional politician. And uh, we've already been through this now. You'd think people had figured it out by now. Rubio told CNN State of the Union that NATO was busted until Trump took over and made countries pay their dues. He told the story about how he used leverage to get people to step up to the plate and, and become more active in NATO. He's not the first American president. In fact, virtually every American president at some point in some way has complained about other countries in NATO not doing enough. Um, you know, Trump's just the first one to express it in these terms, but I, I have zero concern because he's been president before. I know exactly what he has d done and will do. Critics, though, concern that Trump's remarks violate Article 5 of the North Atlantic Treaty. A collective defense principle says that an attack against one ally is considered an attack against all allies. 
It was quite the controversial weekend for the former president, who also stirred up headlines by going after Nikki Haley's husband and saying that pop star Taylor Swift will never endorse President Biden because Trump made her so much money. I'm Clayton Neville. In the Middle East, a surprising development in the Gaza Strip as Israeli soldiers say they've discovered tunnels beneath and with access to the headquarters of a United Nations relief agency in the war-torn territory. And Israel also is able to free two Hamas-held hostages saved during a firefight with the terrorists. As correspondent Rika Ann Garcia reports, Egypt has threatened to suspend its peace treaty with Israel if the Israeli forces enter the town of Rafa. But as Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu told ABC this week, they promise to do all they can to minimize civilian casualties, but also must do whatever it takes to eliminate Hamas. I think we've responded uh, in a way that goes after the terrorists and tries to minimize the civilian population in which the terrorists embed themselves. Egypt is threatening to stop its peace treaty with Israel and says that a ground operation in Rafah could force the closure of its crossing, cutting off one of the only avenues for delivering essential supply. Victory is within reach. We're going to do it. We're going to get the remaining Hamas terrorist battalions in, in Rafah, which is the last bastion, but we're going to do it, and in this I agree with the Americans, uh, we're going to do it while providing safe passage for the uh, civilian population so they can leave. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said in a recent statement that sending troops into Rafah was necessary to win the war against Hamas. This plan poses a threat to the long-standing peace agreement between Egypt and Israel. Egypt also fears that they would be unable to stop a tide of people fleeing into the Sinai Peninsula. Rafah, originally home to around 300,000 people, has taken in roughly 1.4 million more who have fled conflict in other areas, resulting in severe overcrowding. Uh, we're not cavalier about this. This is part of our war effort to get civilians out of harm's way. It's part of Hamas's effort to keep them in harm's way. But we've so far succeeded and we're going to succeed again. Those who say that under no circumstances should we enter Rafah are basically saying, lose the war. Keep Hamas there. The Israeli military found tunnels under the main headquarters of the UN agency for Palestinian refugees in Gaza City. They claim that Hamas militants use this space as an electrical supply room. The army shared the view of the tunnel to invited members of the press and explained the details of what they found. Want every uh, international organization working Gaza. They're not a problem. Our problem is the Hamas. Is the Hamas working in the Ola. In the tunnel, journalists saw a compact bathroom, shelving units, and two small vehicles. But it did not prove definitively that the militants worked in the tunnel, but it did show that at least a portion of it ran underneath UNRWA's courtyard. UN officials assert that they had no knowledge of the facilities underground, but it needs an independent inquiry, which the agency is unable to perform due to the ongoing war. I'm Rika Ann Garcia. State officials tell public schools they must out their transgender students to parents. That story, plus a recap of the Super Bowl when America in the Morning continues after these messages. This is America in the Morning. I'm John Trout. Calm is being restored in Memphis after yesterday's shooting spree left one man dead and others injured. The suspect, a 20-year-old who was just released from jail on a $100,000 bond on charges of robbery and attempted murder, 
was first believed to have opened fire at a home. And as police were heading there, the suspect allegedly carjacked a vehicle a block from the crime scene. The perpetrator then went to two other Memphis addresses where shots were fired before police tracked him down and arrested him. More details on the suspect and additional charges are expected to be announced later this morning. The investigation continues into a fiery plane crash on a highway in southwest Florida that left at least two people dead, correspondent Jackie Quinn reports. Challenger uh, Hopagen 823 lost both engines, emergency. The pilot of a charter jet operated by Hopajet Worldwide called in an emergency just a few minutes before the plane's expected landing at an airport in Naples, Florida. The tower gives him the runway for an emergency landing, but... Clear to land, runway 23. Is that Hopajet 823? Uh, we're clear to land, but we're not going to make the runway. Uh, we've lost both engines. Audio courtesy of LiveATC.net. The small jet came down on Florida's Interstate 75 in Collier County. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my God. Nearly hitting a car in which Brianna Walker was riding. The car in front of them was struck and spun by the plane's wing as the aircraft burst into flames. The jet had left Columbus, Ohio, midday Friday. I'm Jackie Quinn. The CEO of one of Nigeria's largest banks and members of his family were among six people killed in a California helicopter crash. Correspondent Julie Walker reports. Herbert Wigwe, chief executive of Access Bank, along with his wife and son, have been identified as victims of the crash by the director general of the World Trade Organization, who also says Abambola Ogumbanjo, the former chair of the Nigerian Stock Exchange, was also killed when the helicopter they were riding in went down in the Mojave Desert. Weather was poor with reports of rain and snow in the area. Both pilots also died. The charter flight was headed to Nevada just outside Las Vegas. Nigeria's president called the deaths an overwhelming tragedy that is shocking beyond comprehension. I'm Julie Walker. A Kansas City mother has been charged after allegedly placing her one-month-old baby in an oven. With more on the unthinkable, here's correspondent Pamela Furr. The Jackson County prosecutor announcing the charges on Saturday after Kansas City police began investigating the suspicious death of an infant the day before. Mariah Thomas is facing a first-degree child endangerment charge, according to the charging documents. Police say they were told by a family member once they arrived that Thomas was putting her child down for a nap and accidentally placed the child in the oven instead of the crib. The grandfather found the child in the crib badly burned. The child was pronounced dead at the scene. Now, in a statement, the prosecutor says, We acknowledge the gruesome nature of this tragedy, and our hearts are weighted by the loss of this precious life. We trust the criminal justice system to respond appropriately to these awful circumstances. I'm Pamela Furr. The state attorney general for Kansas is telling public schools that they must out transgender students to their parents. Correspondent Donna Warder reports. Attorney General Chris Kobach says public schools in Kansas are required to tell parents that their children are transgender or non-binary, even if the student has not come out at home. Kansas is not among the states with a law that explicitly says to do that. Kobach says failing to disclose when a child is socially transitioning or identifying as non-binary at school violates a parent's rights. And he sent letters in December to six school districts and the state association 
Association for Local School Board Members, then followed up with a public statement on Thursday. LGBTQ rights advocates say such policies put transgender and non-binary young people in physical danger, and they say it's also an attempt to tell transgender people that they're not welcome. I'm Donna Water. TikTok partner ByteDance has been under scrutiny for a while now, but Congress appears to be stalled about what to do with it. Here's Chuck Palm with that in today's tech news. A group of 15 U.S. lawmakers urged the Commerce Department to add TikTok's China-based parent company ByteDance to the government export control list and effectively restrict its access to American software. In a bipartisan effort, said in a letter sent to Gina Raimondo, urging that ByteDance be added to what is known as the Entities List to address critical vulnerabilities created by the company's access to U.S. software. Efforts have stalled in Congress to ban TikTok or to give the Biden administration new powers to restrict the short video sharing app, which is used by 170 million Americans. Security concerns about TikTok include the potential that the Chinese government could use it to control data on millions of U.S. users. Some analysts believe that the White House is unlikely to ban TikTok in an election year. Tell us your thoughts at allthetoptech.tech. I'm Chuck Palm. Football hangover aside, Robert Workman has a check of Monday Sports on America in the Morning. For the third time in five years, the Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. They rally past the San Francisco 49ers 25-22 in overtime to win Super Bowl 58 Sunday in Las Vegas. The Niners opened up a 10-point lead with a Super Bowl record-setting 55-yard field goal from Jake Moody and a touchdown pass from receiver Jawan Jennings to Christian McCaffrey, who atoned for an early fumble. KC got on the board with a couple of Harrison Butker field goals, the latter from 57 yards, breaking the record Moody had just set. A bad bounce on a punt gave the Chiefs the ball deep in San Francisco territory late in the third quarter, and Patrick Mahomes hit Marquez Valdez-Scantling for a 13-10 lead heading into the fourth. Brock Purdy marched the Niners downfield and found Jennings for the go-ahead TD, but Moody's point after was blocked. It was still a three-point game. They traded field goals down to the wire and into overtime with San Francisco taking the lead on the first possession of OT. Then Mahomes engineered a 13-play drive, capped by a short scoring pass to Mecole Hardman to win it. He's someone that continues to practice hard and, and get better, and obviously that receiver rotation, we were bouncing around a lot of guys all year long, and um, those guys just continue to work. And, I mean, just like last Super Bowl, man, it's like you never know who it's going to be. It's about everybody being ready for the moment. Um, and and he, was, he was ready for that moment in a couple big plays. Mahomes has rallied Kansas City from down 10 points in each of those three Super Bowl wins, earning the MVP in all three. He credits Coach Andy Reid for giving him confidence. He brings out the best of me because he lets me be me. I think that's that's important is he doesn't try to make me anyone else. I, I don't think I'd be the quarterback that I am if I didn't have Coach Reid being the, my head coach. Other than that, he wants to be the best person you can be, and that's something that I think is uh, truly special. Reid's three Super Bowl wins trail only Bill Belichick and Chuck Knoll on the all-time list as he and the Chiefs aim for a three-peat next year. NBA Sunday, the Celtics held off the heat. Jason Tatum came within one assist of a triple-double. Thunder got 38 from Shea Gilgis-Alexander and 32 from Jalen Williams as they rolled over the Kings. NHL, the Blues blasted the Canadians. Tory Krug had five assists. The note is one seven of eight. And the Canucks clipped the Capitals in overtime. Washington has lost seven of eight. That's Monday Sports. Thank you, sir. Now seven till when we return on America in the Morning. Nominations for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year may surprise you. After these messages. This is America in the Morning. 
Cool and the Gang made the list, one of the 15 nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Kevin Carr has details. This weekend, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame announced the nominations for its 2024 inductees. Ten of the 15 nominees have an extra reason to celebrate receiving their first nomination. Their careers go back decades, including the disco-era band Cool and the Gang. Classic rockers Foreigner and Peter Frampton were also nominated. But not to be left behind was Ozzy Osbourne in his solo years. Do you believe in Cher, whose career goes back to the 1960s, also made the list. First-time nominees who made their splash in the 80s and 90s include Mariah Carey, R&B jazz artist Sade, and British punk band Oasis were also nominated, I want to get away. as well as funk rocker Lenny Kravitz. Irish music legend Sinead O'Connor, who passed away last summer, received her first nomination for a career that goes back to the late 1980s. Five of the artists have been nominated before, including Mary J. Blige, Eric B. and Rakim, Jane's Addiction, A Tribe Called Quest, and the Dave Matthews Band. Fans will be able to vote for their favorite artists by going to vote.rockhall.com. Winners will be announced at the 2024 induction ceremony this fall in Cleveland. I'm Kevin Carr. Super Bowl weekend's usually a slow one at the box office, and that was true as Argyle was tops at theaters with just over $6 million in ticket sales. That's 63% below last weekend's earnings. Lisa Frankenstein debuted with just under $4 million. Correspondent Margie Zaroleta covers entertainment. How about because this is the most important thing to ever happen in the history of the world? Oppenheimer director Christopher Nolan won the top prize at the Directors Guild of America Awards in Los Angeles after four previous nominations without a win. The winner of that award almost always wins the Academy Award for Best Director. Ozzy Osbourne has been nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a solo artist. He's already in with Black Sabbath. Among the 14 other nominees are Foreigner, Peter Frampton, Jane's Addiction, the Dave Matthews Band, Mary J. Blige, Cher, and Mariah Carey. The inductees will be announced in April. Cascade was a last-minute replacement for Tiesto as the first-ever in-game DJ for the Super Bowl. Tiesto had an undisclosed family matter. Cascade says his goal was to make Taylor Swift dance. I'm Archie Zaroleta. America in the Morning for Monday, February 12th, 2024, is produced by Jeff McKay, senior producer Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout on the Westwood One Radio Network. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.